Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong, alongside me, the usual cast as always, with Transitions Life Care, Cooper Linton. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Jason. Glad to be here. And with Transitions Guiding Lights, Nicole Bruno. Hi, Nicole. Well, howdy ho. Uh, now it's uh, it's. Uh, 2018, yes, and it's been a while, but you're bringing it back. You got a new word for us. Well, it's so, sort of a phrase. Okay. Salty sandwich. Salty sandwich. I'm almost afraid to ask what <laughs> that means. That's kind of when you're in a bit of a bad mood. Okay. So apparently I've been in a bit of a bad mood because my kids were off for two weeks, and so I was around them a little bit too much, and I, several times I was called a salty sandwich, which made me laugh and broke the mood, so it actually worked. Salty sandwich. Okay. I, Cooper's now writing that one down. I mm-hmm. think he's going to use that one for later. I, I'm Actually, that'll be useful prior to lunch, I'm sure. <laughs> You can order her that next time you guys go out for lunch. By Sunday brunch, we're going to work that one in. All right, let's get down to business here, Cooper. Uh, You know, I'm still kind of new to this caregiving world. I've I've been with you guys for a while, and I've I've learned a whole lot. But one thing that I've noticed is that uh, terms in this area seem to change. And what some people may recognize as something else may have evolved, or maybe the terminology has gotten uh, a little more precise. But uh, uh, one term, I guess, that came up before we got on air was aging life care professionals. And I guess that's the first topic that we're going to be talking about today. It is the first topic we're going to talk about. And it is a phrase that has evolved a little bit. And as you know, we have a war on acronyms here on the show. Yes, we do. Uh, so the term that was previously used was GCM, which meant pretty much nothing to anybody out there who's <laughs> listening. Uh, but it stood for geriatric care management, and that term has evolved, but it's more than just the phrase that's evolved. And so we've asked Gretchen Napier, who is the chief executive officer as well as the owner of LifeLinks, uh, to join us this evening and kind of walk us through what is an aging life care professional and how does that relate to caregiving. So, Gretchen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, can we can we just start with what is this aging life care professional phrase? What does that mean and why did it change? Absolutely. The geriatric care manager, or GCM you referred to, has been the term for about three decades, but it became appropriated by lots of other people. So a home care agency might have the person managing caregivers called the care manager, and hospitals have case managers. And so lots of other examples where people were using the care manager and there was no way to really control the quality or the meaning of that word. And so about two years ago, the National Trade Association that had had this really amazing, easy to say name, the National Association of Professional Geriatric Care Managers. It or, rolls right off the tongue. Right. Yeah. Or, well, NAPGCM for short. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> War on acronym. Rebranded the name as Aging Life Care Professionals. And so the Aging Life Care is trademarked, which, you know, average caregivers don't really care about that, except it does allow you to know that there's a certain amount of credentialing that goes into becoming an Aging Life Care Professional. And there's a code of ethics. And so it gives you some security in knowing when you choose a professional that someone who's an Aging Life Care Professional may be safer and have a better uh, outcome for your loved ones. So it's like a, a good housekeeping seal of approval for this kind of work. So what kind of work is being done that would need those credentials? Exactly. So we serve in really three different 
capacities for families. We work directly with families. We work directly for families on behalf of an aging or a special needs loved one. It's really a team of usually nurses and or social workers who provide expert guidance to families so they can make the best decisions and obtain the best care for an aging loved one. And the three ways that we do that are serving as a consultant, as an advocate, and really an extra pair of hands. So the extra pair of hands comes into play with long distance caregivers who can't be here to go to all the doctor's appointments or to actually see if mom was able to get out of bed or take her medications today. We can be the one professionals to go and ensure those kinds of things. Um, but also for working families or people so busy raising their own children or maybe in a busy career who can't, again, go to all the appointments or be a hands-on professional um, to assess the quality of care that's being provided and the outcomes for parents. So we um, then can consult with them to help figure out what exactly is going on with mom. You know, questions like, is it dementia or is it depression? We can help them figure those things out. And then once you know what the diagnosis really is or what the challenge is that you're facing, then what do we do about it? Do we need to move to assisted living? Can we get services provided in the home? Which services should we get? And how do we make sure that they're doing a good job? And then lastly, that's where the advocacy comes in, just making sure that they're getting the quality care from the providers that they choose to work with. So one of the questions that I have for you is, you know, why would a family caregiver look to hire a person such as yourself or your organization? You know, there's um, lots of questions out there. I know there's there's lots of confusion out there. When would it make sense for someone to look at an organization such as yours? I know you mentioned the long distance caregiver, but what about somebody who's local? So usually people come to us when they're at a place where they're thinking, I just don't know what to do next. I'm sort of stuck and I'm not sure what to do. Or the next question is, I think I know what I want, but my brother or my sister or my parents don't agree and we need somebody to help us kind of come to agreement and build consensus. Or finally, um, I think I know what I need to do, but I don't know the right person to you know, for example, the right assisted living to Mm -hmm. move mom into. And so uh, we would be able to help them in all of those situations. So what does this look like? You you mentioned it can be sort of consultative or advocacy related. What is what does this whole process look like if somebody wanted to to engage the services such as yours? Yeah, that's a great question. It's always hard to get started. And so the first thing we want to do is meet with families in the home so that we can really see for ourselves what's going on. The decades of experience that our team has, as well as the different educational backgrounds allow us to see things differently even than families do. And so we want to meet in the home, hear the family's concerns, hear the aging or special needs loved one's concerns, and then put our professional expertise to that to do an assessment. And then from there, be able to work toward the goals that the family has identified. And so we work on um, usually an hourly basis, Mm -hmm. just depending on whether they want us to help a little bit or a lot. Sometimes it's a short-term engagement where we're just trying to get them over the hump of whatever the current crisis is and make a decision right now. But many families, then especially those who are working professionals or have families of their own, small children of their own, need someone an extra set of hands. They just can't be at the school play 
or at the office and at the doctor's appointment with mom. And so we then have a more long-term engagement with those kind of families. So one of the things that I think is particularly confusing for family caregivers just in general, and it just it just goes across every single type of level of care that there is, whether it's home care agencies to home health to aging life care professionals to assisted living to nursing homes, what each organization provides can be rather niche. While there's sort of a base level of what people do, um, not everybody is willing to necessarily go to the ER at midnight for somebody or not every organization such as yours um, may be willing to take someone's blood pressure. You know, So some of them have, it seems like, more of a medical focus where others have more of a social emotional focus. How would you describe your organization? So I think for families to really be able to know what their challenges are, they may not always know what the solutions are, mm-hmm. but if they know what their challenges are, then it'll help them find the right agency for them. Okay. We have um, the Aging Life Care brand gives you some credibility about, you know, all of those individuals are going to have a certain level of education, mm-hmm. a certain number of years of experience, which is so important when you need an advocate. But then from there, how do you choose a, a different professional? And so, some agencies do have only nurses, some mm-hmm. have only social workers. Some have both. <laughs> yeah. And for us, we feel like that's really important to have both mm-hmm. because particularly aging and special needs individuals are so complicated and mm-hmm. you can't really separate out their emotions mm-hmm. and their mental health needs from the medical needs that they have going mm-hmm. on. Um, the other things that we do that are different than what some agencies do is that we can also serve as the guardian. We can serve as healthcare power of attorney. And so for families that are not able to individuals who are no longer able to make their own decisions based on a mental health illness or a something like dementia and don't have a family member who can serve in that role. So sometimes they just don't have any children or siblings who can serve. And then sometimes they don't have people that are good at that. And so someone who would safely protect their money or their person. And so we can serve in that role for healthcare decisions as well as guardian of the person. That voice you hear is Gretchen Napier, and she's the CEO and owner of LifeLinks. You can find more information about them at lifelinks.care. And we will continue our conversation on aging life care professionals right after this break. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here with me, and our special guest this evening is Gretchen Napier. She's the CEO and owner of LifeLinks. You can find information about them as well at lifelinks.care. And Cooper, we were uh, we're sort of going over what exactly an aging life care professional is and during that conversation we sort of got into the topic of guardianship right and I, during the break my uh, co-host here actually suggested maybe i needed one so <laughs> i thought it would be good to understand what is a guardian because when you when you talk about it, i think there's some misconceptions uh there's a lack of understanding of what is a guardian who needs a guardian and how does that really intersect with an aging life care professional Well, a guardian really is a last stop, last resort, and we try to help families get their needs met in any other way possible when possible. But there are times where people are no longer able to make their own decisions. So through a mental health 
disorder or something like dementia, they don't have the judgment to make even their own bad decisions, which all, all adults are allowed to make their own bad decisions as long as they're still competent. And Me so, too. <laughs> and so when an individual gets to the place where they are continually making bad decisions and have been diagnosed with something that prevents them from making their own best decisions, then a guardian can be appointed to make those decisions for them. It can be a guardian of the estate, which manages the financial matters and the property, or it can be a guardian of the person, um, which is something that LifeLinks does for our clients that need that. We can do it for public guardianship through a county contract or for private individuals who need that. And that's really to represent the best interest of that person because they're unable to represent their own interests. Exactly. Okay. We can also do a modified, much less invasive form of that, which is serving as a healthcare power of attorney. So there may be individuals who don't have a family member that they trust to make good healthcare decisions for them when they're not able to make them for themselves. And so we spend time getting to know them over weeks, months, years depending on how much time we have, to know what their preferences are. And then if they're not able to make decisions for their themselves, either through something like dementia or following a surgery when they're out of, um, you know, they're not, con- if they were not able to come out from the anesthesia, for example, and decisions needed to be made, then we would be able to make the decisions that the individual wanted, not what our personal preferences are. You know, based on my experience working with caregivers, one of the biggest challenges folks tend to have is when they're working with siblings or other family members. And I've often found that bringing in an outside professional such as an aging life care professional into the mix often helps sort of decrease that tension and helps families have more open communication when there's sort of an outside person involved and trying to help everybody understand the different perspectives that folks have. Is that something that you find yourself doing within your organization as well? Absolutely. Being that outside independent third party is Mm -hmm. a role we play a lot within sibling conflicts. Mm -hmm. We don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Right. We we don't have the past history. You know, mom always liked you best or um, mom's given you more money or any of those Mm -hmm. kind of things. We are solely interested in the best interest of the older special needs adult and helping the family get to a place that reconciliation is a really important value for us. So if we can help that family stay whole or get back to being whole, then that's a priority for us. Yeah, certainly chronic conditions or life-limiting illnesses can be very stressful for family caregivers. So I, I often think that you know bringing in some outside help before there's a crisis is really a super good idea. And this type of service is not something that people have to engage with month after month after month. You could even use an aging life care professional intermittently, correct, as, as things arise? Absolutely. And so many families we that are having conflict like this, we can come in and do sort of a mini mediation, mm-hmm. spend the time getting to the heart of the matter and really coming up with solutions that feel better to everyone involved, but then continue to be the advocate. So communication is one way that families can get crossways. And so if the in-town son, for example, is the one always taking mom to appointments, but then 
perhaps he's not good at communicating to the siblings that live out of town what happened at those appointments. Having a professional, like an aging life care professional at LifeLinks, go to those appointments, take all the information, and then send it out to the family at one time mm-hmm. helps with the agitation that can come because the son isn't necessarily communicating as well as the outside right. family members wanted. So there are a lot of ways where we can be helpful. I think the independent nature of the work that we do is also important when it comes to facilities or manage, recommending other providers. So we don't receive kickbacks or referral fees for mm-hmm. the companies that we recommend. If we were to say, we think your mom needs 12 hours of caregiving, it's because we really think she needs 12 hours of caregiving, right. not because we're going to get any benefit for right. the number a of hours. Off of that, exactly. Yeah. So I guess the million dollar question, which hopefully doesn't cost a million dollars, is <laughs> is how is this paid for? I don't think we've ever had anyone pay a million dollars, so it's definitely not that expensive. And it can range anywhere really from $150 a month to a couple of thousand dollars a month for families that have no one else. And, and we are serving as a surrogate family member to do all of the things that they need. But we work with families to come up with the budget that fits their needs, fits their abilities and their desires. So it can be a, a wide range. And unfortunately, insurance does not cover the services that we provide. Medicare, Medicaid, or a private insurance company does not cover what we do. There are many long-term care insurance policies that will have a clause for care management. One of the ways that we do help families, really two ways we help them financially. One is accessing all of the benefits that they're entitled to. So being able to identify, oh, well, it turns out you may be eligible for some veterans benefits. Let's help you get those. Or even in your long-term care insurance policy, are there certain requirements like two activities of daily living that you must need assistance with? We can help you identify the specifics of your policy to maximize reimbursement. So in part of what you guys do, which obviously you, you mentioned earlier, you've got to pay for these services, but you're saying that some of these services actually you end up saving in other areas or finding that there's funding for other things because you're bringing in expertise. Exactly. And so those examples with finding other benefits are one way we do that. The other way we do that is by helping you avoid costly mistakes. For example, a family um, that interviewed us and decided that maybe we would be too expensive. And so they went ahead and moved their mom into an independent living facility. thinking that was going to meet all of their needs. And then came back to us a month later and said, oh, gosh, independent living didn't meet all of our mother's needs. She really needed assisted living. And so now we have to make this move. And this time we're going to use your help to pick the right assisted living. But we could have saved them a lot of time and stress and money by avoiding that original bad decision. Well, the reality of it, the aging process is expensive. And it's not really a question of if you will spend money. It is a question of where will you spend money and where will you get value for the money spent uh, and having some expertise guiding that conversation is very often a good investment of time, money, and, and energy by the family. Because the family has to be in, invested in this process as well. Absolutely. You summed it up beautifully. So how do people find out about, I mean, if they want to go from this conversation and they've heard something in here that they say, you know, actually that may resonate with us, what do they need to do uh, to find out more, to get assistance um, do you guys have any educational programs coming up? Where do they where do they go to find out more about what you're offering? Absolutely, our website is a great place to go, and it is lifelinks.care, c a r e, and uh, not, not to be confused it's with dot, com. Dot care. That's right. Dot care. <laughs> um, upcoming events we have our uh, next Tuesday actually on January sixteenth. 
Aaron Nortonen, who's one of our care managers and has been in this uh, Raleigh area for a long time serving seniors, is in partnership with Greg Wallace and Abbotswood to do a conversation called the Boomer Dilemma, Legal and Emotional Challenges of Aging. And then Aaron will also be at the Cary Senior Center on three Fridays in February from 9.30 to 10.30. And so you can go there to learn more about the different subjects that that Aaron is talking about, but also much more about LifeLinks. Excellent. That's a great way for folks to get some more information about you. Again, that website, again, is lifelinks.care. Gretchen Napier, CEO and owner of LifeLinks, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. A quick break and back on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here alongside me. And uh, Cooper, you've taken care of two of the three soundproof panels on the wall here so far this evening. You've you've knocked them off the wall at some point. Luckily, right. not during the show. Um, well, but there's I, I'm willing to step up my game and try and take the third one out while we're on air. We got plenty of time to go. You're on record pace right now, but we're <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll keep an ear out for it. Well, we're uh, we're switching gears a little bit here on the show, Cooper, and uh, you've got a special guest in here with us. So tell us where we're heading next. Well, I'd like for us to go into issues that are related to vision impairment. Um, and I hope that we'll touch on these topics uh, again during the course of the year. But the issues related to vision impairment affect an entire family. It changes the caregiver experience. It changes the patient experience. It can complicate uh, issues of care and treatment. Uh, and and yet there's incredible capacity with technology. Things have come a long way since the first time I actually had a blind roommate uh, in college. And that was, let's say, uh, many years ago. Uh, and things have changed quite a bit. Uh, and so we asked Kim Tyler, who is a social worker for the blind with the North Carolina Division uh, of Services for the Blind. That's a uh, that falls under the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. So that's, that's an awful lot of words to say we have someone who's an expert in vision impairment uh, in Kim, and we appreciate you coming on the show this evening. Thank you. Happy to be here. So one of the things that I have a concern about is that issues related to vision impairment don't get enough um, awareness, and we'd really like to change that. How do, where do people go to find out about services and why aren't we talking about this more? Because vision impairment seems to affect more and more people uh, and at an increasing rate as people age. Well, that's certainly true. Um, it, and definitely within the aging population, uh, vision problems are very prevalent. Uh, one of the resources you can turn to is the DHHS website, um, the ncdhhs.gov. Um, you can go on there and navigate to the link for the Division of Services for the Blind. And it'll tell you a little bit more about our agencies and our service um, services and programs that the agency offers and give you um, some contact information for our social workers that are uh, placed in counties. So you can find a social worker that is within the county that you live in and um, maybe uh, give them a call and see if they can give you some local information. 
So we this radio show covers multiple counties. So we you know we're sitting this evening in Wake County, um, but we know it gets picked up in Orange, it gets picked up in Harnett and Johnson. So folks mm-hmm. in those areas will have a social worker that is through the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services that's specific to their county. Correct. And they can reach them through that website. What are some of the services available uh, that you guys provide? Well, um, I, as a social worker, as do all the social workers within the agency, work under the Independent Living Services Program. Um, There are also other programs um, where we have independent living rehab counselors and also some vocational uh, rehab counselors that work specifically with people who are interested in employment and in in pursuing uh, a, a job in the future. But under independent living services, we provide hands-on training um, and some adaptive equipment and just general tips and encouragement. Uh, I had a social worker who I worked with early on who had been doing this job for many, many years, and she liked to say we're a broker of suggestions. We, we go into the home and um, really look at um, what the person's situation is. Certainly, we're going to look at the struggles they're having regarding their vision, but they're all, we're also going to look at the other systems that affect them, their family systems, the caregivers, and certainly the caregivers that are in the home are able to be able to learn and grow and be able to experience um, some of the adaptive techniques and aids um, in practicing along with the person who is visually impaired. I know that a lot of the long-term care communities work with uh, families and residents that have vision impairments. And wondering, um, is is something that you do, do you actually go into long-term care communities and kind of teach them, you know, use this color plate to help the person have a better contrast to be able to see on see their food, that sort of thing? Because I know it can be a challenge, and not necessarily even with a vision loss where there's actually something wrong with the eye, but even with dementia diagnosis where your body, you know, your, there actually may not be anything wrong with your eyes, but it's your brain that's misinterpreting the information because of the, the, the progression of the disease. So I'm thinking that this would be quite handy for some of the long-term care communities to be involved with if they're not already. We certainly can do that if we're invited. Um, I have been I have been able to go into a couple of these uh, communities and just be able to uh, chat with like their activities directors. And certainly, you're right. Contrast is a is a terrific tool to use uh, for anyone um, experiencing vision loss or perhaps dementia uh, to be able to distinguish an item that's on top of something else you know it, it's a, it's important to be able to um, use some of those interesting techniques and, and tips and, and such so we know that diabetes is absolutely exploding in our country and along with diabetes and un- under treated diabetes is, is frequently vision loss what are some of the things that you all do in your office to kind of help uh, family members and individuals with that sudden change of vision loss get get through that time because I can well imagine if suddenly I woke up one day not able to see I mean that would be extremely frightening yeah and di- diabetes is very prevalent uh, there are some n- nice adaptive aids for folks who are diabetic there are talking glucometers uh, there are some other tactile things we we usually um, will try to work 
with them to work with their doctor uh, to find out what's going to work best for them. And then if those kind of adaptive things are needed, um, then we can um, we can provide them. But again, it's sort of in conjunction with uh, what their needs are and what their doctor's recommendations are. In your experience, how comfortable are physicians in helping families navigate uh, issues of vision impairment? I hate to put you on the spot with that, but it seems like a very unique skill set that may not be prevalent in every physician. Yeah, that's true. Um, sometimes doctors are not looking at the situations that people are facing in their home, the frustrations in daily living skills and in maybe some of the other emotional um, things that are going on when someone is losing their vision. And so it, it, it isn't um, uncommon for a doctor to recommend services like Division of Services for the Blind, uh, but we certainly would like to see that be a little bit more um, prevalent. So folks may be concerned if they're talking about thinking or thinking they may need a social worker's engagement with a physician to enhance the care, that they may not be able to afford that. What are the costs associated with the programs that you guys offer through the Department of Health and Human Services? Uh, through our, our program is, is without cost. Um, we provide these services uh, for anyone who uh, meets our criteria as far as um, having um, a diagnosis of a vision loss or um, debilitating um, visual illness, I guess I should say. So the, so the real barrier is not a financial one. It's really knowing that the services are available and knowing how to get them. That's correct. I, I guess that is a, one of the barriers is just being able to know it exists and know it's out there. And that when you are experiencing the frustrations of losing your vision, that there's a lot of people who would like to be able to walk alongside you and help you um, be able to manage your life and manage it well as somebody without good eyesight. So if you have a desire to find out more about these programs, uh, you can go to ncdhhs.gov and go to Services of the Blind. And there's a... For the Blind. It's Services for the Blind. Excuse me. Thank you, Kim. And uh, that will give you a, a link that allow you to find out what services are available in your community. ncdhhs.gov. Gov. Yeah, and if you if you go there, click on the divisions tab, and from that drop down from there, you'll see the link for services for the blind. Kim Tyler, social worker for the blind, and also with the North Carolina Division of Services for the Blind. Thank you so much for your time this evening. We really appreciated having you on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. A quick break and back with one final segment of Aging Matters: Care and Comfort That Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here alongside me. And you know what? We're going to take some time here to focus on Nicole Cooper. You know, she deserves a little bit it's more. It's about of the time, tonight. you know. You know what I think? It's, it's a good way to start this time of year is to just 
Focus on Nicole and guiding lights. Transitions, guiding lights. I agree. <laughs> Not just Nicole, but uh, yes, yeah. yes. What uh, what she pours, you know, her hard work and, and her soul into on a daily basis. And all that's right, all transitions, right. Transitions, guiding lights. So you know, you can stop complaining to us that we overlook guiding lights. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do that. Uh, but no, we, we want to give you some time here to talk about what's new with transitions, guiding lights. Well, you know, for those of you who may just be tuning in today, first let's just start off with what, who we are and what we do, and then I'll tell you what's new. Uh, Transition Scouting Lights, we're a nonprofit organization, and we really focus on educating the family caregiver about information, referrals, education, and support to really walk with them alongside their caregiving journey. And it's it's a basically free service for like 99.99% of the things that we do for family caregivers as a service to the community. So folks call us, typically call us, although you can stop in Monday through Friday and, you know, are usually pretty overwhelmed by what's going on in their caregiving journey. Perhaps they've gotten to a point where they're really starting to realize that mom or dad need a little bit more help and they're really not sure where to begin. So we focus on trying to untangle that tangled web of resources and light the way for that family caregiver by providing them some organizations that we have vetted as resources in the community. So we take a lot of time to really educate ourselves about all the different services that are provided in this vast area that we have. We have so many resources and that's a blessing and a curse. Cooper and I talk about that sometimes. You know, there's just so much in this area. So that can be very overwhelming in and of itself. But um, yeah, there's, a, there's a balance between not having resources yeah. or then feeling like that you're drowning. In them. Right. There's this absolute ocean of choices and I'm supposed to pick something out and you have that sense of urgency that it needs to be done quickly on behalf of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard balance. It is. It is. So, you know, folks call us and they don't know where to begin. And, and we just start off with a intake process where we ask some fact finding information and gather that up. And, and based on what we hear, we try to give some good suggestions. And, you know, sometimes people call with one idea or one plan in mind because they don't realize there are other things that they can do to possibly solve the situation that they're in. So we really look at the whole big picture and and come up with a plan to try to help that family come up with the steps that they need to properly care for their loved one and provide themselves some stress relief as well. So, And then after that, we walk along that caregiver for as long as they need us to, um, to really help them hopefully not get to that point when they're in the next crisis. And obviously, if they are, we're there to help as well. But the whole idea is to really educate the, the individual that's going through this as a caregiver and try to help them not get into that situation where they're so stressed out again. So that's kind of how we do it. Um, folks can get a hold of us by calling our number, 919-371-2062. They can also go on to our website, which is guidinglightsnc.org, and connect with us through the Contact Us page. We get a lot of emails at 2 in the morning from caregivers when they finally have a moment to sit down and talk about what's going on and we reconnect back with them. Um, But the new thing that we have going on is we actually have a brand new referral specialist working with us. Her name is Julie Keeley. She comes to us with a vast amount of experience working with the older adult and caregiving population. And she is fresh out of the shoot. She's been with us for about a week now and doing really great. She's helped, gosh, a lot of caregivers already. It's that time of year where people are realizing that help is needed. And so we're Great and glad to have her on board and love for you to connect with her as well. She'd be glad to assist. Excellent. Again, that phone number 919 919- 
371-2062 and guidinglightsnc.org. Is that you the website? That's Excellent. The website. Excellent. Now, Cooper, I've got an, an event listed here on, on the rundown sheet, and it's yep. called the Cabin Fever Throwdown. The Cabin Fever Throw. That's actually an annual shagging event uh, for those people that just love to shag dance. Uh, and I've got a brother who loves to do it. So there's um, almost a cult following, actually, for some of the bands that are involved. But for, uh, for the Cabin Fever Throwdown, it's a benefit uh, that raises money for Transitions Life Care and uh, allows us to provide care to anyone, regardless of their ability to pay, uh, which means nobody gets turned down because they can't afford access to hospice or palliative care services or for bereavement care or for the kids program. All of these things get supported through our community. Uh, and, and that's actually coming up pretty soon. It's on February 11th. Uh, so if you are someone who wants to uh, dance for a good cause, uh, I encourage you to go to transitionslifecare.org and find out about the Cabin Fever Throwdown because it's just plain fun. Uh, I've been to it a few years and I actually uh, don't dance because, <laughs> well, I, I really can't dance. It's, it's, it's an ugly thing to watch, uh, but it's still... An, entertaining, though, I would think. <laughs> right, it's entertaining. There's sometimes a little bit of pity for those that people look at me and go, mm, that's, that must be hard to live that way. Uh, that's really me doing my best. I'm awful at dancing, but I can still really enjoy the uh, Cabin Fever Throwdown. The music is awesome. Uh, great people. Great event. So And it, the money goes to a great cause. So that's a good thing. I did want to also circle back. Uh, well, I want to fast forward and then circle back just a little bit. Okay? You're confusing. I am. I'm a confusing <laughs> guy on this one. We have talked about the... Uh, advanced directives. We're always talking about getting people's advanced directives filled out, talking about health care power of attorney, living will, having discussions that may be uh, uncomfortable but really insightful with family about what are your wishes. So in the coming months, you're going to hear us promoting an advanced directive workshop that will be held in April. It'll be held on National Healthcare Decisions Day. So uh, we'll, we'll get all that information out to you. But it will be a free workshop that's done in conjunction with the North Carolina Bar Association where you can get free legal counsel, get these documents filled out for free, leave with them executed, use a notary public that's there. We'll have the witnesses, we'll have the documents, we'll have the training. Uh, and by special request, we're also going to have a physician present who can answer medical questions as people look to navigate what they may or may not want included in a living will. Uh, all of that is going to be done at no charge through a partnership between Transitions Life Care and the North Carolina Bar Association. So you'll hear us begin promoting those dates and times and more information. Uh, but it was interesting when we had uh, Gretchen Napier on earlier from LifeLinks, because at last year's event, when we did the advanced directives, one of the people in the audience came up and said, I've outlived my spouse. My friends either are unable or don't want to be my health care power of attorney. And I really need these documents. I want to execute these documents. And I don't have anybody that I can name. And we talked through, you know, what about uh, someone in their faith community? Mm -hmm. uh, but in the end, they really had no one. And we actually referred them uh, to an aging life care specialist who could actually act as their healthcare power of attorney and 
fulfill that role for them when they didn't have have someone who in their personal realm who could do it. So you're going to hear us talking more about that event in uh, in just the weeks to come. Excellent. That's uh, something very exciting. And I, I attended the event last year, and yes, I got to say it was it was excellent. I mean. Uh, you you get you went up there and you spoke a few words and then right after that you just kind of went few? to work. Well, I was, I was being generous. <laughs> Maybe a few compared to an hour long radio program with with. Cooper. So we do provide a class before you meet with the attorney so that people understand what they're being asked to do. Exactly. Um, it's it, it, it's unfortunately usually me that teaches it, but uh, it's a uh, a class that we hope quickly navigates those documents and takes a little of the mystery off of so them. So folks want to see the celebrity behind the microphone. <laughs> they can come to that event. I don't know that it's a celebrity, but I'm happy to help anybody who wants to get their advanced directives done. No, it was a, a great experience, and uh, you know, certainly something that I, I enjoyed. It's sort of sort of a burden lifted, knowing that we've got those documents in place. And this year, I'm going to really try and motivate some of my friends to get out there and go see you guys because uh, I thought it was a tremendous experience. So we're uh, we're about out of time, folks. We're uh, we're running short on time here. Got to. Uh, head out of here very soon. I uh, want to remind everyone, if they want to get a hold of Transitions Guiding Lights, you can reach Nicole and uh, her staff at 919-371-2062. Don't forget, Cabin Fever Throwdown, Sunday, February 11th. You can find more information at transitionsguidinglights.org, uh, or excuse me, transitionslifecare.org under the calendar of events section. It's actually the first topic that comes up there. You can buy tickets there and find more information as well. We are out of time on behalf of the lovely Nicole Bruno and I'll, I'll say this as well, the lovely Cooper Linton. Thank you, Jason. I was feeling left out. Oh. <laughs> I am Jason Kong. Thank you all so much for listening. Hey, quick reminder, Aging Matters at TransitionsLifeCare.org if you want to shoot us an email. Aging Matters at TransitionsLifeCare.org We'll catch you next week on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. <laughs>